Hi, I'm Renee Jones and I work in events and media here at ASPE, which means that every now and then I get to sit down with some of the greatest strategic minds in Australia. Today I'm joined by Stephen Loosley, who amongst many things is a senior fellow here at ASPE. Thanks for being here today, Stephen. An absolute pleasure, Renee. You're far too generous in your introduction. Now, Stephen, I did want to talk to you about Donald Trump and the latest that's going on with the Russia investigation. But before we get into it, we're about six months into Donald Trump's presidency. And I know there's been a, a few departures from senior White House staff, with Sean Spicer being the latest. And there's been a lot of tweets, a lot of golf days, uh, a few awkward handshakes with state leaders. Um, what I haven't seen is major legislation being passed. Is that the case? Have we Has he made anything happen in his first 100 days that he there, promised to no do? There's no signature uh, legislative achievement of the administration to date. And of course that's uh, underlined uh, by the failure of the uh, repeal Obamacare uh, moment uh, where certain Republican senators either said the legislation to replace Obamacare was not conservative enough, uh, Senator Ted Cruz of, uh, of Texas, for example, or other senators finally came to the realisation that Obamacare worked for significant sections of their own constituencies in, in states like West Virginia, for example. So, Bob, I think it was Senator Mikofsky from Alaska said that uh, the majority leader, Mitch McConnell, had not been able to corral all of the moderates uh, and the uh, more conservative elements in the Republican Senate caucus together. So the president then suggested, well, simply repeal Obamacare. Well, that's suicide. That's electoral suicide. The Congressional Budget Office is calculating the numbers of Americans who will lose their health care cover once these proposals pass the Senate. But if they simply repealed Obamacare, something like 18 million Americans would lose their, uh, uh, their health care cover almost overnight. So in terms of what's looming in November of next year, the congressional midterms, that would be electorally very difficult for the Republican Party. So at the moment, we have the White House continuing to press Republican senators to repeal Obamacare and hopefully find a, an alternative uh, formula uh, that commands a majority or it will simply be left go. Now, the interesting element in this, Renee, and final comment on this in terms of the legislative agenda, the Republicans had at least five years of criticising Obamacare, and there are weaknesses in Obamacare. There are flaws. There's no question about that. And that's why Senator Chuck Schumer, the minority leader of, of New York, the leading Democrat, said, well, why don't we actually have a look at improving Obamacare? I mean, why doesn't the Republican caucus come to us with some proposals? So you have a circumstance in which there was no alternative drafted in terms of American health care policy during that long period of the Obama administration. It simply means that the Republicans on Capitol Hill, both House and Senate, did not believe that Donald Trump was going to win last November. They were as stunned by the result as anybody else. Fair enough. Now, I wanted to move over to Russia and Trump. There is a special investigation looking at the Trump's campaign's colluding, potentially colluding, with Russian Allegedly efforts. Colluding, yeah, yes. with Russian efforts to sway the US election. So whereabouts are we at with that investigation? What do we know so far? Well, there are several inquiries underway, uh, actually. The most serious is Robert Mueller's investigation, the former uh, director of the FBI, 
Now, he's come into his own since James Comey, the former FBI director, was sacked by the, uh, by the president. Uh, Mueller was uh, appointed by the uh, Deputy Attorney General of the United States, Rosenstein, after Jeff Sessions, the AG, recused himself, quite properly recused himself because he had his own contacts with Russian officials during the campaign. And the president, of course, in that uh, bizarre interview with the New York Times, virtually threw his attorney under a bus in the sense if he'd known Sessions would have recused himself, he would have appointed uh, somebody else. The Mueller investigation is now running to the extent that lawyers have been hired, they understand what they're doing, and serious uh, interviews are about to commence. The other inquiries is a House uh, inquiry and a Senate inquiry. The Senate uh, Intelligence Committee is looking at matters, as is the Senate Judiciary Committee. Now, the different dimension to this uh, is now that it involves the Trump family. Now, Donald Trump's very good at disowning people, as we've seen, when they're no longer of any value to him and discarding them. He can't discard his family, can't discard uh, his son, Donald Jr., or his son-in-law, Jared Kushner. And they were the ones in this June 2016 meeting with these uh, uh, Russians supposedly representing the Russian government. That was the claim that was made. Supposedly possessing information that was damaging to Hillary Clinton. Now, the really interesting one, aside from the gentleman who's a retired GRU man, I mean, is it possible that a GRU man ever leaves military intelligence? I have my doubts. But the, the former FSB lawyer, the FSB being the Russian Domestic Security Service, the former FSB lawyer, uh, Natalia Veselnitskaya, who was the main uh, interlocutor for the Trump campaign, She's very close to a, a, a fellow in Moscow by the name of Yuri Chaika, who's the Russian Procurator General, Prosecutor General, who has a very close relationship with the current President of the Russian Federation, Vladimir Putin. He's part of Putin's inner circle. And it's suspected that Chaika is the one who actually pushed the Russian end for this meeting, that they were currying favour with the Trump uh, campaign. Now, what are they focused on? They're focused on repeal or amendment of the Magnitsky Act of the United States Congress. Sergei Magnitsky was a lawyer and auditor who was beaten to death in a Moscow prison. He blew the whistle on a $230 million, US dollars, $230 million theft of Russian uh, money. He was working for a gentleman by the name of Bill Browder, who ironically, now a financier and investor, is grandson of the quite infamous Earl Browder, the long-term General Secretary of the CPUSA. Uh, Magnitsky blew the whistle. He was arrested. He was tortured. He was denied medical attention and eventually beaten to death. Uh, and uh, it's, it's an awful story. And people like John McCain, it was bipartisan. There were uh, Democratic senators. Uh, Senator Cardin, for example, was involved in, in this uh, they, they pushed an act of the US uh, uh, Congress through the Magnitsky Act, which banned the people responsible for Sergei Magnitsky's death from entering the United States and seized their assets, uh, froze, their, uh, froze their assets. So this is Putin's inner circle that's affected, which is why the Russians have been so focused on repeal of the Magnitsky Act. Now, they're talking 
about adoption laws because the Russian Duma, in reprisal for the, for the Magnitsky Act, stopped American adoptions of Russian uh, children. The reality is that uh, uh, these contacts are in a really grey area mm. and it's going to take the Mueller investigation and I suspect the congressional investigations really to be able to tell us at length what happened that day and when. Because what a prosecutor can do, Renee, is he or she has always got a weapon in the back pocket, which we've seen used from time to time. That's the threat mm. of the charge of perjury. Mm. If people don't tell the entire truth about what went on. And when you have so many people, and only the last 24 hours, some other people have emerged as being at the meeting. And this, of course, came after um, all of the Trump spokespeople denied contacts with the Russians. Mm. And the most famous being uh, Kellyanne Conway, mm. probably. But we went from no meetings to perhaps some meetings, then brief meetings, now meetings, but nothing happened. And this would particularly affect those who had to fill out security clearance Very forms so. and declare that. And I know that Kushner has altered his a couple of times now. Um, yes, uh, there, there have been amendments, shall we say, mm. uh, as, uh, as some of the inquiries get a bit closer. So the, the Russians don't leave the centre stage of Washington, D.C. for very long. They may go off to the wings for a while and then they come back in a chorus that's uh, louder than ever. And at the moment, they're right in the centre stage under the spotlight. And that's, that's why you'll you have the circumstance of the family means that uh, it's, it's possible that uh, there will be indictments down the track. Uh, and that's why the President's talking about pardons already. I, yeah, so he's done a series of tweets uh, just yesterday, I believe, and one of them saying that he could pardon himself. Is that no, possible? No, it's not. Uh, American legal opinion is, is virtually unanimous on this. The President can pardon whomever he likes, except himself or herself. Uh, what you have to think about uh, in this is if presidential pardons are being uh, issued and the president is, is forced from office for any reason or resigns and faces indictment, uh, his successor in this case could pardon, which is what happened with uh, Richard Nixon. Jerry Ford mm -hmm. pardoned uh, uh, Nixon for any crimes he may have committed while in the White House. Now, at the time, that created an enormous uproar, as, uh, as people recall. In terms of the health of the American democracy, it was probably the right decision. Mm. And Ford showed a lot of courage in, in doing that uh, because it started to take Watergate off the front page of the newspapers and uh, out of the centrepiece of the evening news so the United States could move on. Uh, but it's a very, very controversial step to take. And, uh, and pardons are scrutinised uh, very, very uh, carefully, as we saw with some of the Clinton pardons at the end of the Clinton administration, for example. Mm. So, what would be your assessment of the US-Russia relationship at this stage, with all this in mind? It's troubled. Uh, there, is, uh, there is no question that uh, the Congress will probably impose further sanctions on the Russians for meddling uh, in the United States presidential election. Did they determine the outcome? Probably not. Did they damage Hillary Clinton? Very definitely. Did that assist the Trump campaign? Yes, it did. Uh, and uh, were these uh, state-sponsored actions? Yes, they were. Because <clears throat> well, it's not possible to say with absolute certainty which organisations were involved. 
it's almost certain that the GRU, Russian uh, military intelligence, codenamed Fancy Bear, was, and that another in intelligence uh, uh, agency, probably the SVR, uh, was, uh, was also uh, involved. And they were hacking the Democratic National Committee emails, so ha hacking uh, John Podesta's emails, who was chairman of the Clinton uh, campaign. And they were being delivered in batches to WikiLeaks uh, for release at times most damaging to the, uh, to the Clinton uh, campaign. And WikiLeaks was obliging. WikiLeaks effectively is a post box, post box for Russian, uh, the Russian intelligence services. And um, given that, and given the fact that overwhelmingly Democrats see it that way, and, and more than a few uh, Republicans see the dangers in this, there'll be more sanctions. So then it's a question of uh, what Donald Trump does with those uh, uh, sanctions. Uh, you have a circumstance uh, in which a degree of collaboration between the United States and Russia in, in terms of the Middle East, for example, can probably move an agenda forward in terms of ending uh, uh, certain of the uh, hostilities. Uh, we certainly need to see an easing of tensions in Eastern Europe and on the border with Ukraine and a sign of reassurance for the Baltic states, which is why NATO's been busy exercising of, of recent times. But uh, uh, at the uh, at the moment, I think the best word to describe the relationship is troubled. If we do find a smoking gun for Donald Trump, is it likely that he will see out his full term? I know your colleague at the US Study Centre, Simon Jackman, has recently said that impeachment is pretty much impossible at this stage. It's, a, it, it's, it, it's most unlikely. And bearing in mind that if, if memory serves me, the Watergate burglars went into the Democratic National Committee offices, went into Larry O'Donnell's office around June of 1972. But Richard Nixon was not obliged to resign until August of 1974. So, and he wasn't impeached, of course. He, he was told by his, um, his Republican colleagues in the Congress, particularly by Senator Barry Goldwater at the time, that he had no uh, a basis for continuing. His support base had, had collapsed. So that was a long, drawn-out uh, uh, process. And uh, the smoking uh, gun there, to use your uh, apt expression, were, of course, the White House tapes, the Oval Office tapes. Now, we haven't seen anything of, of that nature uh, today. It's going to be well worth watching carefully what the Mueller investigation turns up and what the various congressional inquiries uh, turn up and what the American media turn up. The New York Times has been prominent in this, as has the Washington Post, and really uh, the Washington Post in particular was the newspaper, of course, that uh, virtually brought down a, a president. So it's going to be well worth uh, watching, and there's much more to be revealed, I suspect, in terms of what the Russians were doing in 2016 and what they've been endeavouring to do since. Mm. Now, to finish up, uh, yes. after reading your book, Machine Rules, I did come to the conclusion that you were the king of the political and historical anecdote. Given our topic today, talking Russia and America, I was curious if you had a favourite anecdote from the Cold War period? Well, there are a, a lot of tales of, of Leonid Brezhnev, the General Secretary of the Soviet Communist Party, particularly uh, uh, during the 70s and into the 80s, the so-called era of stagnation, as the uh, as the Soviets described it at the time after Brezhnev had passed. Uh, 
<clears throat> he really did preside over a period of uh, uh, decline. And my favourite story actually uh, concerns um, a German communist as well as Brezhnev. You mentioned the handshakes before. The, of course, most famous handshake is the one that never occurred between Angela Merkel and uh, Donald Trump. Uh, that was basically because Merkel is used to being particularly blunt because she's not used to dealing with American presidents as much as she's used to dealing with Russian presidents. Mm. And she's never taken a backward step in dealing with Putin. She certainly didn't take a backward step in dealing with Trump, and Trump didn't like it. But the, the story was told to me by a Russian friend many years ago uh, of a, a hunting party out at Brezhnev's Dasha outside Moscow where he's entertaining Eric Honecker the East German communist leader, and uh, along with them was an interpreter. And, uh, and, and Ponomarev, who from memory was the secretary of the International Department of the CPSU, Communist Party Soviet Union at the, the time, and they were all roaring drunk. And they were shooting off this platform, whereas my Russian friend described specially trained animals would appear in the snow before them because the KGB would leave meat out for the night, so bears would wander in, and this was the the shooting party. I said, anyway, at some stage the interpreter grew very ill and disappeared into the forest to be sick. And Brezhnev looked around for uh, for the interpreter and said to Ponomarev, Where, where's the interpreter? What, what's happened? And Ponomarev panicked. Instead of saying, oh, oh, he's, he's left us for a while, Comrade General Secretary, he said, oh, he said, I, I happen to have here a substitute interpreter. And he turned to a young journalist from Izvestia who was waiting to interview Brezhnev and um, and Honecker, and uh, he can he can look after you, thinking that any journalist who was going to talk to Honecker and Brezhnev must speak German. Now Brezhnev was deeply suspicious. Uh, you know he hadn't survived Stalin's purges with uh, anything other than commendable uh, uh, suspicion. So he looked at this journalist and he said, "So you're the substitute interpreter, are you?" And the journalist panicked uh, and said, uh, "Yes." Yes, Comrade General Secretary, I am. And Brezhnev nodded his head and looked at him and said, well, say something in German. And the journalist could think of nothing to do other than snap his heels together, throw up a Heil Hitler salute and say, Heil Hitler. Now, both Honecker and Brezhnev thought this was tremendously funny and doubled over laughing. At this point, the interpreter wanders back out of the forest trying to, uh, trying to sober up. That says it all about uh, uh, Leonid uh, uh, Brezhnev, though, in the manner of the conduct of affairs in the, uh, in the Soviet Union. There's lots of stories like that, lots of stories. Well, comrade, I think that's all we have time for. Thanks for watching, and if you have any questions you'd like to ask Aspie, send us a tweet at aspie underscore org. <laughs>